The year was 2014. Two men meet in college, one gay, one straight, and a friendship develops. The gay one catches feelings, while the straight one gets a girlfriend, and a friendship crumbles. They haven't spoken in five years. Listen as they rekindle their friendship over Zoom while discussing pop culture and their lives. I want to talk about shows for a second. I'll be the boring recapping shows person for a second. Okay. I'm just going to bring it up because I want you to watch it. Uh, the Flight Attendant on HBO Max. I have watched one or two episodes and I enjoyed it, but I just, for a reason I got, I stopped watching it. Well, go back and restart it and watch it. Okay. Um, I didn't think I'd like it. I don't like Kaylee Cuoco, really. Yeah, whatever on her. Mm, she's bland to me. But she's going to win the Emmy, I think. I think she'll win the Emmy. Because they love a dramatic comedy performance. Even though I think Gene Smart should win for Hacks, but whatever. I I just liked it. I, I usually don't like thrillers like that because I get confused if I miss something. And I'm just going to spoil it. I don't care. No, uh, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it for me. The murderer. Hey, 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 hey. I'll take my... You can spoil it to our audience. I'm taking my... <laughs> Bye, take your... The murderer <laughs> is the guy that uh, picks her up at the bar. I don't know, episode three or four. And I, it's a, I guess it's obvious, but I honestly was shocked when it was him, when he turned out to be the assassin that killed everybody, that slit the guy's throat. But uh, <laughs> but I just thought it was really well done, and it's funny, and you get Rosie Perez in like a side that all ties together at the end. Her, you don't think her storyline matters, but it does at the end. And there's some stuff that it's goofy, it too, you know, it's campy in parts, and some parts don't make any sense. But um, I really enjoyed it, and it kept my attention. And Kaylee Coco is very good; she surprised me. Okay. I love it. You just spoil the whole show. <laughs> so what's even the point of any of anybody in the audience even watch it? <laughs> I didn't spoil what's the, the whole show. I just gave away who the murderer was. That's spoiling the whole show. Not the whole show. There's what's other... the point of the show? What's the whole point? Like, what's the point of the show besides that? I don't care. Oh, spoilers, whatever. It's still, you can still I enjoy do. something, even if you know what's going to happen. Uh, it ruins it for me. Unless it's like a bio, like a biographical film. Well, you haven't even met the murderer yet, so. Okay. If you only watch the first two episodes. Okay. But now you're going to know who it is (laughs) when you see it. Okay. The only show that I've been watching really of late, actually I've watched a couple, but I've been watching Wellington Paranormal. What's that? So it is a spinoff of What We Do in the Shadows the movie not the tv show i guess they're all interconnected but but there's a tv show too there is a tv show but this is a spin-off of the movie so it's been on the air in new zealand for years but then it just came to hbo max uh-huh. recently <coughs> i love that movie so it is it's absolutely they're in the movie it's like the police officers 
it's really funny it's really good but it's like if you don't if you like that type of humor it's great it's well written i love that well performance so yeah so you might look at i think there's like three seasons three or four i think they're in production in the last season of it yeah because the show doesn't interest me yeah i only watched like an episode it was it was fine i don't know why i stopped watching it but this is just it's clicking more i think it was because i have it's on hulu and i have hulu with ads so it's really i really have to be into something to watch something on hulu oh, and i finished the other show is i finished season two of dave well, i don't care about that Stop i love it it's dave. so good it's so good it's, <laughs> no, it's so good. good it is it is fine i think it'll be nominated for everything this lot this season it's so good well when did it end it ended last week yeah so it won't be till next emmys yeah that's a long time to wait for it to hold up though but it's critically acclaimed it is dallas just give dave a shot i don't know what you're expecting you might enjoy it because it's a very sexually charged show but it also deals a lot with mental health and it's really good yeah but he's not attractive so why would i care about that it's not just about him though, so but it deals him. with, but it deals with mental health in a very, just, I don't know, real and emotional who's, way. Who's the right, who's the main writer on it? On Dave? It's not I'm not him. sure if he wrote, I would doubt it. That's <laughs> it what I'm him, saying. If he's the one handling, I mean, for all I know, he's, that whole thing is a persona. I don't know. Maybe he's a very smart person. I don't know, but I doubt it. It's a whole persona that he puts on. Yeah. But and like, he's, he's very unlikable. Like he plays like a dick in the show. I know it's a persona, but even the real person I don't think is qualified to be writing about mental health. So he, he it created by him, but let's see writers. I have no idea. And the writer, cause like it's hard on. Well, if you go to Wikipedia, the episode, there's no writers. I can go episode. There's no writers listed. Ep- if you go episode by episode. Okay. Episode by episode. It. So it, he wrote episode one. Yeah, so with he's the writer Jeff Schaefer, but yeah. then it's looks like, yeah, yeah, different he people with different most, head writing. Yeah, so he writes a lot of it, but this past season, he wrote one episode, two episodes this season. But there's a lot of famous people in it, which is whatever. I could care less about that. But you really need like, his persona is like, yeah, it's childish. It's a lot of dick-based humor. But it just dives into the process of making music and just relationships. And but his character is like kind of a dick. Like you don't really like his character. He's like an anti-hero. Yeah. Because he just he's like a really shitty to his friends and stuff. But that's the new trend where the main character is an awful person. So those are the two shows that I've been watching. Dave just wrapped up, so I caught up. There's like four episodes that I was behind on, and I just finished those. Do you watch Anthony Bourdain stuff? I did back in the day. Like, of course, he's dead, so I haven't watched. Nothing's been current. I don't continue to watch it. But oh, I watch old episodes all the time. I don't. I like enjoy it. But he had that show on Travel Channel called No Reservations, and then yeah, it got canceled. And CNN made picked up a show called Parts Unknown, which is basically the same show. But Parts Unknown was a lot more like political focused and like about the like the history of the people yeah. and what they're going through because it's on CNN travel channel was just more it was 
it was more creative in its production. Like there was a lot of like reality show moments where yeah. it was staged and you knew it was staged for comedic effect or whatever. And I went back and watched the first episode ever because I was just interested. And he goes to Iceland and it's unwatchable. The whole thing is Anthony Bourdain shitting on this country. The food is gross. The people are weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> like every joke was, about, how do you eat this nasty? Oh my God. Like there's this, <laughs> there's this whale, this fermented whale, I guess that was just the worst thing he's ever tasted. And like to their face is like, ugh, ugh. You know, yeah. it's like, this is not the Anthony Bourdain I remember. <laughs> He's trying way too hard to be funny too. But every joke is like a dad joke about women and their boobs and gay panic jokes. Like, oh, well, if you you do that, oh, and then, oh no, that's gay or whatever. That's the connotation on every joke he makes. And it's like, I don't listen. I'm not sensitive to where, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. It's every, every 20 seconds he would make a joke like that about boobs or like not being masculine enough or whatever um and it was some of it was self-deprecating because he's like a scrawny little man from the city yeah. you know but it was all it was all homophobic undertones and you know like he would he would he basically said like pussy like referring to a weak man and stuff. it's just like oh my god i didn't realize it made me so sad <laughs> because <laughs> then i watched the one of the final episodes of parts unknown like when he goes to hong kong because it was the big it was one of the last ones he shot i think and it was like his swan song basically unknowingly because he went there with a, a guy that worked on these wong kar wai films who's this famous director in hong kong and there's a there's like a few kind of iffy jokes he makes but it's not every every single freaking scene it was just like bashing you over the head. Whereas this Hong Kong one was, you know, the people of Hong Kong are this and, oh, I love the people, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, he, he didn't give a fuck about Iceland. He was just shitting on it the whole time. <laughs> and how weird it is. <laughs> I was like, yeah, wow. I'm intrigued if like he got a note after season one to be like, yeah, let's not change it up. Go yeah. so hard with the jokes about, you know, how horrible culture of the country you're supposed to be showcasing it i still love my family watched yeah same my family watched more of like the soft traveling food shows so like man versus food and all the guys bizarre food but it was like yeah that and i forget that guy did that one but then uh, andrew's bald guy yeah we watched that a lot and then all the guys stuff we watched and all those are so complimentary. Everything, it could be the biggest pile of shit. And they're like, this is so good. It's the best restaurant in the entire world. Come here. Yeah, well, you know, with Bourdain, it's about showcasing yeah. the best chefs in the country and all that. Yeah. And there was some of that in Iceland, but it was just too much comedy for me. <laughs> like yeah. forced bad comedy. Hey, listeners, here's something to grab more leads right away. Say no to the traditional, boring lead generation forums. Survey Sparrow offers a fresh and innovative chat-like experience. This can tremendously boost the response rates. Attract more leads and add your prospective clients into your loyal user base. 
Get a feel of their survey experience by visiting surveysparrow.grsm.io slash 5rdpod. That's surveysparrow.grsm.io slash the number 5rdpod. So today we're going to be talking about our favorite professional wrestlers. Professional wrestling is something I was obsessed with as a child. Because if you boil it down, it's a pretty gay thing. It's theater. Theater, it's soap opera, it's acting, it's entertainment, theme music, pageantry, if you will, which is why I loved it. I grew up kind of watching it with my brother during late 90s, early 2000s. So mainly WWF at the time. But I would go to like the local video store and rent pay-per-views from like the early and mid-90s, like WWF, WCW stuff. I have an extensive knowledge of that era specifically, and I know some 80s stuff. But like 2006 is when I stopped watching it. Now I think it's stupid. So no new wrestlers are going to come up. So sorry for current WWE fans. (laughs) We're not going to be talking about... um, fucking what the fuck's <laughs> oh aj styles we're not gonna be talking about aj styles we're not gonna be talking really about... struggled to get anybody new out because <laughs> i don't watch it bray wyatt daniel bryan we won't be talking about daniel bryan Sorry. he's not in wwe anymore to me that's if you came up in the last 10 to 15 years they're new like the miz is new to me <laughs> yeah cody rhodes we'll be talking about cody rhodes so you predate me a little bit. Cause like I watched wrestling growing. I'm the oldest kid in our family. So it was like 2002 until 2007. I also did the same thing. Some of the VHS tapes, but it wasn't like extensive. Oh yeah. And I never watched a pay-per-view. My parents wouldn't pay $50, whatever it was. My so I've never too. seen a lot of like some of those I've eventually went back and watched, or I saw like clips and highlights. Yeah. But I didn't watch them live. I didn't get every pay-per-view, but I would get like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, like the big ones. And I had so many action figures. It's ridiculous. That is the same thing. I had all the action figures. And I'm getting back into it now because there's a lot of good podcasts with like, there's an Eric Bischoff one, a Jim Ross one, and a few others where they just go back in the history and watch old pay-per-views and have insights, you know, that most people don't have because they were involved and peacock has every everything everything every wwe f pay-per-view taping of raw smackdown and all the wcw stuff of the nitro episodes all the pay-per-views and like i said before we started recording i've been watching some of stone cold steve austin's talk show just like specifically the people that I watched in that era that he's interviewing. Yeah. And that's the thing. The era we watched created some of the biggest names in entertainment. The rock is probably the biggest. See for me though, the rock was already pretty much on his way out when I started watching. No, he was still important though in 2002. 2002, but that was like the end of the rock. Yeah, but he was still important. Like the attitude era. It was like triple H Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, The Rock, Kane, Mick Foley. 
and then you go to WCW and they basically had the old WWF stars. <laughs> hey, they had some new ones. No, yeah, they had some with like Goldberg and Diamond Dallas Page and stuff. And, and it was Sting. I mean, Sting, I was going to say. Sting is like Mr. WCW because he never left. But they, you know, it's like Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, Hogan. Roddy Roddy Piper. They tried Ultimate Warrior that failed pretty hard. He also had like Kevin Nash was there. Oh, yes. No, of course. Duh. How did I forget? Well, that's what created the whole NWO thing when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall left. They were known as Diesel and Razor Ramon in the WWF. And then they jumped to WCW because they were going to get paid more because Ted Turner. And then that's what created the ratings war between Raw and Nitro. Booker T well, was there. Yeah, he was there as Harlem Heat. He didn't really become big as Booker T until he WCW folded and he went to WWE. When was the big show there? Well, he was the giant. Giant, yeah. I know he wasn't big show. Until like 99. Like 99, he went to WWF and became the big show. They rebranded him. And then I know Chris Jericho was there for a bunch of it. Well, that's the other thing is a lot of the mid-level WCW guys would go on to be stars in the WWF. Chris Benoit, which is a name we don't, Ooh, we do, we talk, don't talk about. about. We don't talk about him. Wrestling. <laughs> that's when I was watching. I was watching that, and that was a weird, a weird well, few it's, weeks. It's just, it's so unfortunate because obviously what happened is unfortunate, but I just mean from a wwe perspective they made yeah, like him. a tribute and stuff yeah but even before that wrestlemania 20 which was a big deal he won it was a big moment he won the wwe title and he was like the star of the company at the biggest show at the time wrestlemania 20 and then i always hated him for some reason we can't i just talk didn't like him. him i just didn't like him i didn't like his persona no i don't really like him either but yeah it was benoit it was jericho it was eddie guerrero Rey Mysterio. To me, the reason why WCW was so good was because of that middle card. Like the, uh, what do they call Luchadores? Because they also had, they had Psychosis. I mean, you're not going to know these names. It's fine. La Parca, like the Mexican Lucha. Juventud Guerrero was my one of my favorites. And like Dean Malenko too was a part of that. Perry Saturn. So basically, it's going to be Ryan remembering things from his past. And I'm going to have to elaborate on them because I have more. There's going to be a trend in my list. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm just going to do my list. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I can go first. And you can elaborate on why my choice stinks <laughs> or more information about the wrestler because I've. Okay. So my number five, and I don't really remember too much except like his tag team with Scotty Tuhati, that time period of his career, but Rikishi. Oh, I loved the stink face. Yeah, it was hilarious to me. Like he's just a big Samoan guy. He's not super athletic. He's I don't know how strong he was. He definitely wasn't high flying. So a slow, slow moving wrestler. But he was just he had that fun charm at the time when he was being the face. He wasn't like a bad guy. So I don't know what he was like prior to. I think he might have been a heel before that. He, okay. Do you want to get in the weeds? <laughs> sure, I'll get into the weeds. You've opened the Samoan. There's one family 
that pretty much every Samoan wrestler has come from. He's related to like what Samoa Joe. Is he related to The Rock? I don't think yes, he is. Samoa right? he Joe. Is. There's a lot of tag teams like the Islanders and the Wild Samoans and the Head Shrinkers. And Roman Reigns is a new guy who's related to that family. The Rock, The Rock's dad, okay. Rocky Johnson, uh, Umaga, if you remember Umaga. Yep. Um, yes, they're all pretty much from the same wrestling family. There's a big history of professional wrestling among Samoans. But anyway, before he was Rikishi, he was known as Fatu. And he was in a tag team called the Head Shrinkers. The Head Shrinkers were a pretty racist, (laughs) as you could tell by the name, (laughs) team. They were Polynesian. Their whole thing was they didn't really speak, you know, they just kind of grunted and whatever. They were a good tag team, though. I believe they were tag team champions off and on. Uh, and they competed in different different promotions before they got to the WWF. And they were usually heels, but eventually they became crowd favorites. And they headbutted people. That was their big move. They headbutted people. But yeah, so he had some success there. And I'm not sure what he did. They disbanded in like 96. And I don't know if he went to like independent promotions or what but they rebranded him as Rikishi in like 99. And that's when he got real popular because yes, he was with Scotty too hotty and Brian Tuhati. Christopher and they would do the dancing and the, yeah. And then the stink Scotty face. The worm. Yep. And I the, loved it. It was just so cheesy over the top. Yeah. It was just comedic. A lot yeah. of like the wrestlers, they're not trying for comedic stuff. Sometimes they're funny just because it's wrestling and it can be cheesy, but like they're trying for a laugh. Like the stink face is just trying to get the crowd to laugh. It's not an effective mood. It was just weird. Just like he wears like the big like sumo wrestler yes. song type thing. Well, and he looked very different. He gained a lot of weight between when he was a head shrinker and when he was Rikishi and he dyed his hair blonde. He looked a lot different. It was shorter. Is he still big? Yeah. He's a big guy. Yeah. It said he's billed at 425. So, I mean, he could have been 500 pounds. He's tall, though, isn't he? Six foot one. Yeah. So, no. That's, t- That's tall. Six foot one holding 425 is not. <laughs> it's better than five foot six holding 425. No, but he just he looked different. He acted different than the wrestlers. He was entertaining. Were, yeah. Um, but, yeah, his big move, as I alluded to, is called Stink Face, where he would put someone in the corner just rub his ass on the and face. then like set it up and kind of show his ass off and the crowd would get into yeah. it and then he would just presumably yeah. fart in their face but you know just rub his ass in their face which was just hilarious it was just a yeah, super as as like a 10 11 12 year old my number five is luna vashan just making up names dallas yeah i know you'd say that Luna Vashon came from a wrestling family. I believe his, her dad was Mad Dog Vashon. <clears throat> they were a famous wrestling family. Very interesting individuals, if you will. <laughs> she was kind of rough looking. She had she looked kind of like Tanya Harding with the bangs, a rough face, kind of short, stocky body. But she was trained by her family and her dad. So she took wrestling very seriously. 
like the early nineties, she was introduced as a manager for Shawn Michaels, I believe. And she was on, I think her first appearance was WrestleMania nine, 1993. You know, she grew up in an era where female wrestling wasn't really like the nineties. They, they always say, well, we just didn't have the talent, but it's like, no, they didn't want to cultivate the talent. The talent would have been there if you would have given women who wanted to be wrestlers opportunities and they didn't. It's sad that she grew up in the era that she did. Cause if she grew up now, she would kind of be, she would be a great heel now, now that we can have more than three or four female wrestlers on a card. I just liked her because she kind of had a smoker voice and she leaned into that character, like this, the character of the crazy, like psycho unhinged woman. Like she talked like this. <laughs> That's how she talked. She kind of screwed up her voice later in life doing that all the time. Um, she was she was known mostly as a manager. She didn't really get much chances to wrestle because, again, who is she going to wrestle? Sable. <laughs> she hated Sable, by the way, because you know she hated these women who were not trained to be wrestlers. But then that's all they had, so that's who she had to wrestle. She also managed Gold Dust, like '98, and that was. Look up some of the outfits that they wore together. It's insane. Goldust is such an interesting. Yeah. That's what he was doing. The artist formerly known as Goldust, where he would wear like panties on the outside of his outfits and (laughs) dye his hair like lime green. And of course, Luna had to give in to the, that era of, because she debuted in 93, but she was probably stayed with the company through like 99, but she was part of the tits and ass era. So she had to do the lingerie contests but her character was always like pissed off to be there you know and she would like refuse to undress type thing but you got the sense that that's how she actually felt about it too wasn't a character really (laughs) i didn't even realize this it's very sad three of my five picks all like many wrestlers died of a drug overdose at a young age luna is one of them all mine are alive (laughs) that's good for you well you're picking later probably wrestlers I mean, they're probably still the same age, though. Well, I'm just saying, if you were in the 80s, you probably haven't survived. I mean, some of the people are... Everyone that I picked, I think, wrestled in the 90s besides one person. And, like, Rikishi's old. Yeah. A name that's going to come up, too, is the not in my list, but just in general, is the fabulous Moolah. She was a wrestler in the 50s and grew up in a very different time and. She was just a horrible woman who pretty much trained most women. And then she had a stint during the Attitude Era, late 90s, too. Of They made her the champion as like a gimmicky thing because she was in her 70s at the time. And she would come up a lot. And she, you know, she would train these women and kind of, you know, emotionally abuse them and basically take all their winnings like all their all the money they made from wrestling she would kind of take a big percentage of it and if you kind of if you left her then she would like she knew everybody so she would basically end your career if you crossed her that kind of thing but anyway she trained luna one other person that's going to come up on my list but yes luna vashon i just it's just sad 
And yeah, she died in 2010 at the age of 48 of a drug overdose. Man, Dallas, you're going to stop talking about everyone that died. Well, I'm going to bring it up because my number one is probably the saddest of all of them. Okay, what's next? <laughs> so I know you're going to hate my number four, but it's the wrestler that I knew before I watched wrestling and it was probably brought me in. I don't remember any of his stuff from when I was early kid. So when he was in the WWE for me watching it, he was real bad, but Hulk Hogan. Why would I hate this pick? I love Hulk Hogan. Do you? Cause a lot of people think he's not a good wrestler. Like he's not. Yeah. But that's, I don't watch wrestling for the wrestling. <laughs> I mean, some of the technique is cool. Like I have people on there no, that are no. good technicians. Here's what I love about wrestling is it's, the psychological aspect being able to tell a story in the ring is just as important as being able to technically wrestle. And Hulk was very good at that. Like My selling, issue, like, selling moves, yeah. selling injuries, mm-hmm. creating storylines that pay off later in a match or later yeah. in other matches. Yes. I just, yeah. And he was, you know, he cut great promos. He's like the reason I got in. Yeah. Yeah. He was the guy that got me interested. Like I had his like Hollywood Hulk Hogan, like the big, I don't know. They were ones like, they were probably two feet big and you just like squeeze them and then he would do like a recording of it. They were big, like stuffed animal things. Yeah. So I know I watched WCW. I had WCW <laughs> books and all that kind of stuff as a little kid, but I don't remember any of that. I remember him being in like the three ninjas crappy movie, him being in yeah, Rocky that VHS. three or whatever. Yeah. Well, you probably know him as the fucking, his dumb America character he tried to do. So that was like a month. I was going to say he was, <laughs> he wrestled a little bit before that as, his normal red and yellow Hulk Hogan. Yeah. But it was only like, cause I started watching wrestling in like 2002. So it was like a, literally a year of where he wrestled like Brock Lesnar, the rock. I think in a year span, it was really all he really wrestled. I think is, I don't know what else he did. I don't know if he was on like episodes of raw or not. No. If it was just a couple they, of pay-per-views. They just brought him in usually for WrestleMania headline stuff. I loved it when he would just get in his little hyped up mood shaken. That was one of my favorite things of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. But you gotta remember you're watching him too when his body is pretty much deteriorated. <laughs> yeah, he was like fifty years old with this. Yeah. Point. It's like Ric Flair. It's like maybe late maybe late forties, yeah. early fifties. I think he's like what he's probably sixty five to sixty eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. Right now. So this is nineteen years ago. So yeah, late forties, early fifties. Yeah. It was about the character. And the Hulkamania. But he was a big deal anytime he was on. Yeah. The Mr. Say. America thing was weird. They like rammed it like, who's, who's this guy? Who's this guy going to be? Who's this guy going to be? It's not Hulk Hogan. And then it's Hulk Hogan. And it lasted like a month. And then it was over. And he had such a weird relationship with Vince. Like a love-hate relationship yeah. with Vince McMahon. Yeah, he would quit and then go somewhere else and then come back and then quit well, and get fired. And that Mr. America thing, he, was try- he tried to do that in like the late 80s early 90s and Vince hated the idea and eventually I guess you know he's like fine you can finally you can do it now it's been 25 years <laughs> yeah I mean I'm I'm a wrestling historian of sorts so obviously Hulk Hogan is the reason that yeah wrestling that WWE is what it is happened <laughs> like it became such it was such a people don't understand how huge wrestling was in like the mid to late 80s it was 
WrestleMania three, Detroit, Pontiac Silverdome, a hundred thousand people. It's insane. And that was Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, which is yeah. probably the most important match in the history of wrestling. When he body slammed Andre yeah. the Giant. He's bigger than life. He's yeah. And he, he was like in the wrestling. Rock or John Cena before them. There's only yes. a handful of those guys that are yes. like that. Yes. I mean, he was on cereal boxes. He he had his own noodle franchise <laughs> in yeah. all of America. And he also did it forever. He was like, he had the WWF and then WCW. Yeah. The heel turn. Like that was a big deal. Of actually doing it. He was on top for 20 years. Where like, yeah. Cause he was a star of WCW. Long. I was long gone. Like I didn't watch the TNA run. Cause like he was in TNA for three, four years or whatever yeah, it was. So it was like angle early 2010s. There's yeah. a lot like they had TNA probably had a better lineup than WWE at that time for just star recognition. Right. They but they did the WCW thing where they took old WWF stars. But they had people cause they had like, I don't know if AJ Styles was still. That was TNA before AJ Styles blew up though. He wasn't popular. He, was still he got like to that. WWF. No, e. AJ Styles was huge in. No, he wasn't. And TNA. Yes, he he, was. Yeah. He was the one of the bigger stars of TNA, but TNA was watched by nobody at that time. But I'm saying in perspective, it was to still WWE. watched by a couple million people. Yeah, yeah. but I know, but it was still probably watched by one, two million people. I know. I watched TNA when it was on like Fox Sports Detroit before yes. it went over to Spike. Yes, but I'm talking about the booms of wrestling where the stars were on TV Guide and everyone knew their name. If you ask 100 people who AJ Styles is, even now, I don't know how many people you're going to get. But you'll also, I, I don't want to spoil my next one because my next, it's, it's a, tag team they were also in tna okay and i also watched hogan knows best i guess it was yeah same i love that show so that was over like his wrestling career was pretty much done at that point before yeah, he came back we met the real star linda hogan <laughs> yep she was the big personality in hulk was just a laid-back kind of douche yeah he kind of learned who ran his career it was linda if you listen to stories and that family was sad really fast. It was like, oh, this is a lovable family. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> like a shitty marriage. And then Nick, like, destroys his one friend's life. Yeah, he was an asshole. And then Brooke wanted to be a pop star so bad. And she's like, you're not that good. No. So, oh. It was just a sad, sad mess. And then they divorce. And Linda's dating a 19-year-old. And she goes to her son, who's not that much older than her boyfriend <laughs> uh, who does dr- like illegal drag racing. And she's like in the car, like, what? it's like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Hulk's career wasn't great from like his TNA. And then he had the sex tape thing and then yeah. he said the N word. And it was, yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Hulk Hogan as a brand is still a big deal. Even yeah. though people have to just like, you have to sweep that stuff under the rug it's yeah. like him like terry balea whatever yeah terry balea is person different. Is, but hulk hogan is still loved yes we love hulk hogan okay my number four is sable sable's been forgotten mainly because she sued vince mcmahon and that's why she's not in the hall of fame and it's just very dumb Backstory on Sable. She's not a wrestler. She's a swimsuit model, basically. 
but that's the era that, that you know she was popular in. Her husband was a wrestler named Mark Marrow. Mark Marrow was in WCW, probably 95, 96. Would bring her his wife. I can't remember her real name for some reason. I don't want to look it, it up. It is. I'm on right now. It's Rena Greek. Rena, yes. Uh, he would bring her backstage and stuff. And apparently she was very introverted, very quiet. She was like a teacher at the time or something. Like Eric Bischoff, who was kind of running WCW at the time, had no idea that she would have any aspirations to be on camera. You know, she didn't really talk and she was nice, but she was just kind of quiet. Cut to Mark Merrill goes to WWF and she starts to want to like be on camera. Whoever was running talent at the time, you know, they were looking for hot women and she was gorgeous. <laughs> she was gorgeous you know tall skinny big boobs blonde pamela anderson type it's that era it's mid 90s so she had the look of a a bombshell they have her be mark marrow's manager and slowly but surely the audience starts you know because it's 18 to 40 year old men presumably straight men obviously a lot of gay men love wrestling but they were playing this the straight audience we're going nuts for sable got a bigger reaction some nights than stone cold was getting at the time and this is like 97 <laughs> like when stone cold was starting to get towards the height of his career she just became a huge star because she was you know because of her looks which is fine I don't blame her for that. Then they started to have her wrestle a little bit. She wasn't a trained wrestler. She couldn't really wrestle. She could fake it, but they would usually just do lingerie matches. The famous one is where they had her come out and they had two black pieces of duct tape, like just barely covering her like titties. (laughs) And that's a famous, it's a famous sable outfit. Uh, she would eventually do the cover of Playboy. That's where the money thing came in because she wanted to use her name Sable. But Vince McMahon claimed that they own the rights to the name. So he had to get a certain cut of her Playboy money if she was going to use the name Sable on Playboy magazine because people know her as Sable. If you put Rena on there, no one's going to know who the fuck that is. It's the name that sells it. And so she ended up suing WWF at the my ties to her, I was, I just was obsessed with her. I loved her. I loved the name. I loved, she used to wear these cat suits, like these leather black cat suits. She wore these big black sunglasses. Her intro music, the beginning of it was like a whip and then a cat scratch sound, like, like that. It was like whip. And then the audience just go, ah, because they knew Sable was coming. And I I loved, obviously, I loved it for different reasons (laughs) than most boys at that time. But I was, you know, I was just obsessed with the women. And she was like the only one, really, at that time. She was the biggest star of the women because China was kind of, China was not a sex symbol 
at that time. She was like this big, I'll get to her later, but this big bodyguard, scary woman that could, you know, fuck up other people, you know. Was, she was, I don't know like that time period that well, but when was Sunny around? Sunny was right before Sable, like 95. She was the it girl, Sunny was. And when Sable came in, it kind of stole Sunny's thunder. Have you kept up on Sunny? She's a sad story too. Yeah, she's like drugs and then doing sex tapes. She yeah, and she's in and out of jail. She's still alive. Uh, she kind of settled this, her beef with Vince McMahon. Sable did, and came back around like two thousand three, two thousand four, and had some storylines with Stephanie McMahon. But I don't also w- also that. with my favorite diva at the time being just a horny straight teenager, Tori Wilson. They did a Playboy cover, did shoot together. Yeah, because yeah, Tori was kind of the the young the replacement of yeah, her. Yeah, the Sable at that time. So yeah, for me, Sable was like the old. Yeah. She didn't do much for me. She was like, they played her off as like the old school 90s WWE diva. And I was into like Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler. Stacey Keebler. Yeah. Were like the ones that were just like, the, I guess the replacement that weren't trained wrestlers that were just yes. eye candy doing. But the, even Trish, who was a trained wrestler, was eye candy. She was gorgeous. She was, but she would do actual matches. She still did. I know she did, stuff, but everyone did. Like everyone did bra and panties, even like the ones that were trained wrestlers. Yeah, they had to. They didn't have a choice. Because you have like Victoria, Lita, they all did. Like, yeah, Victoria was more of a wrestler, and yeah, Victoria did had to do it. Yeah, did Jazz do? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she did. I actually I know she did because they, they all they all they all had to, and it was like a joke. They would like make fun of them for being like, oh, they're in it with the the super hot ones yeah. doing it. And it's like, well, whenever they would bring in a a woman who was a legit wrestler like Victoria, they would have them destroy one of those other ones like stacy keebler they had victoria come her debut was she <laughs> she took stacy and put her in a widow peak it just destroyed the hell out of stacy poor stacy keebler that's what they did when they introduced china they had china come in and just shake the shit out of terry runnels who was gold dust's manager also it was just gross because like they would always be like on top all these divas on top of vince mcmahon every single week Oh, like that well. was that was the writing. It was just we're going to be grinding on top of Vince McMahon. That's it. That's my sable. What's your next one? So I alluded to the. It's a tag team. They were in TNA together, I believe, at the same time. But it was their WWE tag team of it was the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy. But they were just high flying, like the ladder matches, table matches. Well, TLC they were always matches, crashing. Yeah, yeah they were always crashing through everything just high flying putting their bodies in Both harm's way jeff especially just didn't give a shit about his body he was like mick foley in no. that way he just yeah he would just launch himself care. off yeah i forget what his special or whatever his signature move is swanton it's, bomb swan bomb yeah but yeah just like he would just go up top of a ladder and just just wonton bomb right on somebody on a table and just crash right through. Like, I don't know how these guys are still wrestling to the point. Like they've no. had pretty successful careers and they're, they, they've kind of diverged off in different leagues at different times. And I think Jeff Hardy was like the heavyweight champion or the WWE champion for a little bit. Yeah. He had a run. And Matt Hardy was huge in TNA. That was where I guess he was probably the most successful solo, but his, little feud with edge is also where i watched him so that was an intriguing 
like a real life drama of Lita cheating and then with they made it a story about Matt Hardy. Into... Yeah, they like Matt Hardy was let go and then brought back. And then they brought that into a storyline, which I don't know how anybody <laughs> like why why would you do that to like that? That's a wrestling tradition. They do that a lot. But I love tag team matches. They're a lot of fun, especially when the tag team is good. Like it can get really bad if it's not if they have, they have no connection. But since they're brothers and it was like the, the big tag teams at that time period were like the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys. But like the Dudley Boys were a similar thing where they just crashed through stuff. Tables. But they're not as talented and they're not as high flying. They're just kind of too fat guys. Like the yeah, but I love I love Bubba Ray. I love them too. They have good personalities. Like they have yeah, more Bubba of like is great. personality. Like the Hardy Boys don't really have that charming personality. It's more of what they do in the ring than outside of the ring. Right. Like they're not great. No. At like they're just not. And promos and no. They're promos not. are not. They're not. not. They're, the Dudley Boys are, but oh, I yeah. like that high flying right. act because like it'd be the stuff that you would want to do like in your backyard. It's just like jumping off stuff, crashing through, and and they were hugely popular yeah but yeah if you're even a casual wrestling fan and nowadays go back and watch those tlc matches there's a few of them like wrestlemania 17 is the best is the most famous one there's one at royal rumble 2000 i think that's really good too where they're at Madison square garden it's just jeff hardy jumping off of railings and going to the audience yeah they're just crazy it's nuts the best anytime edge would spear if jeff hardy was hanging from the belt you know trying to grab the belt yeah and then edge would get on the top of the ladder and spear him from the top <laughs> to the ring i love la- like tlc ladder any like ladder matches where they grab the belt is always the best i would be remiss not to bring it down <laughs> and talk about one of the more embarrassing personally embarrassing moments of a wrestler's career ever it was a TNA pay-per-view 2011, maybe. He had been let go, Jeff Hardy, from WWE because of you know failing drug tests and all that. And they wanted him to get help. They wanted him to go to rehab and all this stuff. He was in TNA. He was in the, like the main event of a pay-per-view. It was him against Sting. And he shows up. And right as he's about to go out, Eric Bischoff, who was kind of running things at that time, looks at him and realizes, oh, <laughs> he is more fucked up than I have ever seen him. Like his eyes were gone, glazed over, didn't know where he was. You can watch it on YouTube. He walks out to the ring, high off his mind. He didn't know what was going on. He was doing like weird characters. It looked like he was doing making choices, but clearly he was just so high and this is a time period where he had makeup like his character had makeup it was weird it's a weird time period for him and he he gets out and sting is so confused he doesn't he's just super confused the referee immediately realizes he can't wrestle and he puts up the x if you see that in wrestling it means something's wrong like the, the injury is real or the wrestler is can't go and so they have to improvise. Eric Bischoff comes out and completely improvises the whole thing to try to cover it, but it was so obvious. And then he basically tells in this, you know, he does his character and then he acts like he's talking to Sting, you know, 
but he's really telling Sting, just put him in a roll up and get out of here because he can't wrestle. <laughs> and that's what Sting does. And it was so bad looking. It looks real bad. But Jeff Hardy got clean and he's clean now. And so it's a good ending to that story. Because he, I, I thought he was going to die after that. I really didn't see him surviving. Oh, this next one's going to be tough. Because this is a legend. Hall of Fame class of 2006. And then, of course, died of an overdose in 2007. Oh my God. <laughs> in her mother's home in Alabama. Very sad story. The age of 47, I think. <laughs> sensational sherry martell trained by the fabulous moolah as i said did a bunch of independent wrestling in the 80s late 70s early 80s she had a horrific injury where she broke her leg basically in half because this wrestler just didn't take care of her basically this big guy was supposed to do a move on her and she wasn't prepared for it and she broke her leg it was like a two-year recovery process. She almost quit wrestling. But then she came back. She was in maybe AWA at the time. I don't know. But Vince got interested, signed her, probably 86, maybe, around that time, to WWF. This was around the time of WrestleMania 2 and 3. And she was trained. She was a trained wrestler, but they didn't really use her in that way. They used her more as a manager, but she was, in my opinion, one of the greatest promo cutters of all time, natural abilities on camera <clears throat> was great. She was usually a heel. She was best known as being macho man's manager after he split with miss Elizabeth, who was his real life wife. But they, they had an on-camera split. And he became a heel. And then Sensational Sherry became his manager. And they had great chemistry together. They were so good together. There's one promo. I forget. It's during Halloween. And she's like stirring a cauldron and talking about Hulk Hogan. And they would put her with other people. She was with Shawn Michaels for a bit. She was with Ted DiBiase for a bit. Those weren't quite as good as her and... Randy Savage, that was just a great chemistry. They had a good feud with Dusty Rhodes, where Dusty Rhodes and his manager, Sapphire, who was not a wrestler. And that pissed Sherry off, the real-life Sherry off, because she had to basically carry the whole match if she was wrestling Sapphire. I just really love her as a personality and her character and her promos. She was having some drug issues, so she was let go in like 94. WCW brought her in to be Harlem Heat's manager, which was Booker T's tech team. So she did that for a few years and then continued to have drug problems. So she was eventually let go by WCW. She seemed to be doing all right in the early 2000s. She showed up in a promo with Kurt Angle in like 2003 when he was doing a feud with Shawn Michaels. And they'd bring her back here and there. But like I said, inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2006. And then she was living with her mother. And they found her dead in her mother's home. 2007. She has, I think she had a few kids, a few older adult 
at that time adult children. Uh, she was very, very private in terms of her personal life. She was married a few times, but you can't really find out to who or when. She kept her personal life and her wrestling professional life very separate because I think it was Mula who gave her that advice. You saw it with Sonny and Chris Candido, and that kind of blew up where she cheated on Chris Candido with another wrestler, supposedly Shawn Michaels, but that's a rumor, but we don't know. You saw it with China and Triple H. When Triple H cheated on China with Stephanie McMahon, who is the daughter of the owner of the company, and that kind of blew up in China's face. I'll get to that later. So we don't know much about Sherry's personal life, just that it ended tragically. Man, you're making this a very gloomy episode, Dallas. (laughs) Well, it is what it is. It's wrestling. Just the way it is. Also, it's like, is it a theme that every 80s and 90s WWE diva is like dead at this point? Just that's, I didn't realize that. Well, not just, but dead. They all died before the age of 50. Yeah. And And if they are alive, they're doing very bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's changing, though. That's changing. I mean, um, I'm assuming it was a completely toxic work environment for them. Just like I don't even want to think a woman about back it. then, anyways. I don't even like want to think about them it. being super sexualized around like ni- like it's 95 percent dudes that are all like macho y probably not great assholes. People. Yeah, and of course they had people like Mula who probably had it even worse, telling them, "Oh, you think you have it bad? <laughs> you know, you know that stuff. Get like, over you know, it. <laughs> yeah, and you can't even have like for a guy you could." You could have kids, you could have a family and then just go away. They can't. They can't have kids. They can't really have a family life. No, or... no. Nope. And if they do, their career's over. Yep. And sh- Sherry was someone who cared cared deeply about wrestling. She loved wrestling. And she loved her career. And so she knew she had to keep all that hidden. Otherwise, it would be used against her by her employers. So, My next one is um, Happy, though. It's a happy story, so we'll get to that. But what's your number two? Okay. Two? Yeah. So your number three ties in well with my number two, because my number two is Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So you mentioned him. She also, I didn't realize she was the female in his theme song. So Yeah, she sings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that she was sexy boy. But that's when you mentioned Kurt Angle, she did sexy Kurt. That was the mm-hmm. that was the I'm sexy Kurt. Yeah, that was that pro. <laughs> Which I we'll just watch that. that. If you watch that, it's so cool so thing good. they played it. It's just so awkward, and funny. It's, it's hilarious. So funny. But going back to so Shawn Michaels, I watched some of like the VHS tapes of like the '90s pay per views, but I didn't really watch. Like Shawn Michaels was retired, I think, in '98. So when I was growing up, he was already done. Yeah, well, he came back though. He came back in 2002. That's what I'm saying. 2002, he came back. And that's when I started watching him. Oh, so you know so Shawn he... Michaels as uh, the guy who wore cowboy boots and jeans. <laughs> yep. That's what he wore. Yeah, I don't. But I loved him because like the ultimate bad guys at the time were Evolution. So it was Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton, right. Batista. Batista, yeah. So it was like Shawn Michaels versus all these guys. If you if you look at Shawn Michaels' career for like this window, that's like all he wrestled was like them. Yes. Then like Goldberg and yes. a couple other people. But it was pretty much wrestling Triple H all the time. Yeah, and him then, and Triple and H had great matches. Generation X. Yeah. So like 
Sean Michael and Sean Michael is such a good like job at selling stuff. Like he can make anybody look good because he'll he'll like going into the ropes or anything like that. He like he'll put on a show. He's, yeah, to me, he's undoubtedly the greatest technician of all time. Yeah, like Period. getting kicked in the stomach and he's like flying in the air. Period. Like he he makes anybody look good or yeah, cheesy. He can, make, he can make somebody look like it's dumb and cheesy, but yeah, he's so yeah so good at that yeah and just like his theme song to his like the sweet chin music was probably my favorite signature move just kicking somebody right in the face mm-hmm. and he was kind of high flying he would do his little flying elbow and he wasn't afraid to like use weapons get hit in the head jump off stuff and like he's not the biggest guy but he would he would be like i don't know he's 210 220 but he would wrestle people as big as like Big Show or Batista, who are way bigger than him or whoever at the time, but yeah. But just as a wrestler, I was just impressed with what he could do, and he was great at promos. His personality is super charming. Like I know he's like a lot of people don't like him, but they yeah, respect him as a wrestler. He was not well liked in the locker room. No, I think he was probably the best wrestler of that time, and he was old when I watched him. Yeah, so I can't even imagine like some of the '90s stuff I haven't really watched. So I, I've watched some of the, like the Bret Hart stuff with him, where he would like come down from like the ceiling and yes, his um, you know, heyday or whatever you want to call it. I'd say it was '95 to '97. That era, it was him and Bret Hart, WrestleMania twelve. Iron Man match, and that's when he famously came from the ceiling, yeah. zip line, and his outfits were so great back then with the sparkly vest and the yeah. hearts all over his tights. And yeah, he had his ears pierced and the pierced ears. He was just in the mullet. I mean, he was just so cool. And that's when he was champion for a while, and he he had feuds with like Kevin Nash as Diesel and Undertaker. He wrestled Undertaker a lot. They had that famous Hell in a Cell, the first ever Hell in a Cell match, which is a cage match with the top and where he fell, you know, he fell off the side of it into the table. The next year's Hell in a Cell was better, though, in my opinion. No, of course, but that was the one that... I know. That's the one that um, ushered in the Mankind Undertaker Hell in a Cell, the greatest match of all time. I, I used to get the King of the Ring 98 VHS, like I rent it like every two months just to watch that match. Oh my god! Yeah, Shawn Michaels was just—he was probably my favorite wrestler from like two thousand and four or five until the end of me watching it. Out, you need to go back but and I, watch his nineties stuff. Oh, I, I watched I watched a few of his matches in that time period, but it wasn't Family Video only had five or six yeah, VHS tapes. Look up WrestleMania 10 ladder match. That was the first ever ladder match. And it was him against Razor Ramon, who's Scott Hall. It's so good. I think I might have seen that. Oh, it's such a good match. It's one of my favorite matches. Okay, you're going to talk about somebody that I actually know? Should I I end on the happy note? (laughs) No, I want to just end on... You want to end on the sad one? You've already, like foreshadowed that number one is going to be just depressing yeah. awful way to go out fine okay fine i'll wait for that then okay so my number two is not my number two is 
one of the great success stories of professional wrestling, Trish Stratus. I'll just start at the beginning. Trish Stratus, she's Canadian. She was kind of a bodybuilder. She was in bodybuilding competitions, fitness competitions. Uh, and so she knew Tori Wilson because Tori Wilson was big into those at the time and then had found success in the WCW. So Trish saw that and decided she wanted to get into wrestling and talk about a woman who didn't, you know, didn't take no for an answer, knew what she wanted, put in the work. She came into the WWF probably 2000. They put her with a tag team called TNA. It was Test and Prince Albert. She was the manager and it was called TNA because tits and ass. Because she had tits and ass. She was hot, you know. Hey, go, she, hey Paul, put a pin in it for a second. Test was the announcer of SmackDown for a while, right? No, that's Taz. Taz. Okay. Who's, who's Test then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know. Is this like a big <laughs> white man? Yeah. Albert's the bald one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's Test? Google him. They thought he would become like a top guy and it just, it just didn't work out. So yeah, big white guy with, yeah. When I He's, was watching, he had shorter hair, but he had long. Like yeah, blonde. he had long hair in the beginning and then short hair. And the audience, like with Sable, the audience quickly let people know who was the star of that group because <laughs> it wasn't Test and Halbert. <laughs> it was Trish. They wanted Trish. Trish is someone, she wasn't naturally charismatic. She had to work on that, like promos and things like that. And she eventually got better at it. She came from like the natural fitness world. So she, she was small, but she was, you know, athletic certainly. And fit Finley is a wrestler who ended up becoming like the main training guy for the women. And he's kind of, I'm not going to give him all the credit obviously, but he is a big reason why the diva division was way stronger at that time. Cause he trained, Trish and Lita and Victoria and I'm sure he helped out with like Jacqueline and Ivory too and Molly Holly and all of them Mickey James <clears throat> they weren't quite ready for that yet because they didn't really have they still didn't have much of a divas division in terms of wrestling at that time so her next thing after the TNA thing kind of that tag team fizzled out was there was a storyline with Vince McMahon where they had <laughs> they had him cheat on Linda, his wife. And the mistress was played by Trish. And so Trish and Stephanie McMahon, Vince's daughter, had a lot of, this is all storyline. It wasn't actually happening. Um, had a lot of, you know, had matches and feuds and things. And it culminated in WrestleMania 17. Because they basically made it where <laughs> Linda was comatose because she heard the news that Vince was cheating and she like didn't speak and had to be wheeled around in a wheelchair by Trish, Vince's mistress. <laughs> <laughs> so they had a tag team match. Or I guess it wasn't a tag team match. It was just Vince versus Shane at WrestleMania 17. 
and Stephanie was in Shane's corner and, you know, Trish was in Vince's corner, but then they had, it was a great story they told because at the end of the match, Trish kind of bands with Linda and Linda gets up out of her chair for the first time in like six months and just slaps the shit out of Vince. And it was a really funny moment. The crowd popped so hard for that. It was crazy. But of course, Trish wanted to be a wrestler. That's always what she wanted. She wanted to be one of the, she wanted to be the top, you know, women's wrestler. So eventually they started bringing more heels like Victoria and Jazz, who was the ECW wrestler, but that didn't exist anymore. And they had Trish, you know, wrestle Stacy and Tori and all them too. Lita, though, was the big one. Trish and Lita. They were the first women to headline Raw. That happened in like 2003. Go back and watch that match. Trish, Lita, Raw. It's so good. It's such a good match. And then for like two or three WrestleManias in a row, they would have triple threat matches with like Trish and Jazz and Lita and then Trish and Jazz and Victoria. Again, I was a little gay boy who loved the women and I was obsessed with Trish. I loved her. She was usually a baby face, which means a good guy. Um, Sometimes they tried to make her a heel, but even then the crowd still loved her. Her finishers were the Stratisfaction, where she would take her opponent like this, a headlock, and then run up on the ropes and slam them into the mat. And that's the other thing. They were legit wrestling, beating the shit out of each other, which for me, that was the first time I saw women wrestlers doing that, like actually wrestling, which is no fault of their own. They were just given the opportunity to finally do that. Like her and jazz would just beat the fuck out of each other. And I loved it. I fucking loved it. I ate it up. I cared way more about them than the men at that time. Trish had theme music too that I loved. It was Lil Kim. It was a Lil Kim song. And it was, oh, it's time to rock and roll. This time I'm in control. Yeah. And point at the crowd. Yeah, I'm rambling, but I just love Trish. Towards the end of Trisha's run, which was a, such a short run too, by the way, it was like 2000 to 2006 and really 2002 to 2006 in terms of her being like a wrestler. She had a feud with Mickey James. Mickey James was like a big independent wrestler and they brought her into WWE, the WWE and basically crafted the storyline where she was, they brought her in as like an obsessed fan. She was obsessed with Trish she wanted to be Trish and they built up this storyline for like eight months of her being obsessed and like a stalker. And then they were friends and then she backstabbed Trish and then it set up a WrestleMania match, which is one of the greatest to me, one of the greatest women's matches ever WrestleMania 22, 22 or 23. doesn't matter where it started as, it was in Chicago and everyone was on Trish's side. Trish was the, you know, the baby face and Mickey James was the heel. And halfway through the match, they had built this storyline up so much that you start to feel bad for Mickey James. You start to feel like, why are you so mean to Mickey James, Trish? You just want, she's just a fan. 
and the crowd starts cheering for Mickey James <laughs> and booing Trish. It's so good. I, I just love when the audience reacts naturally to things and they had worked so long building this up. That's one of the great storylines of recent. Yeah, I just remember Mickey James is like the crazy, the crazy person. But yes, Trish was inducted in the Hall of Fame. And then Lita got in right after her. So that was nice. They got in back to back. Yes, to me, the greatest women's wrestler. In terms of being the total package. Oh, and now she does like weird Hallmark movies. She's like an actress. Oh, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. And she's, she has like her own line of like fitness stuff. No way those movies are any good. No, they're awful. They're like Christmas movies where she plays like a dentist or something. She's not the lead in them either. She's like the side character. So my number one, who I think is the most as a wrestler, but just athletic wise, I think he's the most athletically gifted wrestler to ever be in the WWF slash WWE just based on his size and what he could do in his prime is Brock Lesnar. There's been nobody like him that's as fast and as strong. Like he's 270 pounds and he's probably as quick as somebody half his size in the ring. I think biggest moment of his early career when I watched him was his like failed moonsault on Kurt Angle at WrestleMania Mm -hmm. where it looked like he broke his neck. Like there's no reason for him to do that, but just that he could. Nobody decides doing that. You're not going to have like a Kevin Nash or a Kane or Undertaker. I know they're taller, but they're probably similar weight wise of like that 270 to 300 pound guy. Nobody's going to the top rope and doing a backflip. Yeah. But he could. And his personality is whatever. Like I know he, he comes off as a dick and he seems like he's a dick in real life. And he's married to Sable. To Sable, yeah. To me, it was just like there was nobody as physical and he seemed like he could beat the shit out of anybody in like a real life. It wasn't just like, Hey, Shawn Michaels is like this great wrestler technician. Yeah. But, but if it got into a real fight, Shawn Michaels, pro- no. Shawn Michaels probably wouldn't be able to do anything against no, a Brock Lesnar. Fuck you up. So like at the time, like I was huge into wrestling and then it was when UFC MMA was starting to get big. And my uncle would give me shit all the time. Be like, wrestling so fake these guys are pussies they're ever, like just making fun of how crappy wrestling was and i'm like i guarantee if brock lesnar was in ufc he would be able to beat these guys and he's like no way no way no way and then like two three years later brock lesnar is the heavyweight champion in the ufc yeah but i mean to his point brock lesnar's unique in that sense <laughs> yes yeah no because like cm punk fail like but brock lesnar was just a physical freak like he had yeah. no he had Psychotic. no football experience at all and he was in training camp with the Minnesota Vikings. That's why he left WWE. Was he was just so like not following the rules and just like not well behaved. No, and you I gotta like think when he broke out, he was an immediate star yeah. in WWE, and he was twenty and like a multimillionaire. Like you know, you're not gonna make the best decisions. When you get that I mean, but he probably age. thought like, hey, the NFL is more, it's just bigger. And it's, WWE has always been seen like his fallback plan. It's like, it's I'm going to try everything else. And then I'm going to go back to WWE. He's not like The Rock or John Cena where they can act. No, and he doesn't want to do that either. No. So he's just does other professional sports. Yeah. Which I loved. And like his good feuds at the time, like 
it was when John Cena was the crappy rap state rapper. Yeah. So that's when I watch John Cena. That's why like, I like John Cena now is just like a funny comedian. Like I actually enjoy his movies and stuff. Yeah. But at the time when I was watching John Cena, it was that, and I hated it. So like Brock Lesnar was still a heel, but like Cena was even a bigger heel douche. Brock Lesnar and Undertaker was probably the best. And then he fought like Kurt Angle, like the Kurt Angle one. Kurt Angle was good too. The Rock, he fought Hulk Hogan. Like his run for that first few years was pretty impressive of who he went through his championship. Yeah, but it was only like, it was two years. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like 2002, 2004, and that's when he went to the Vikings. I don't know when he came back. I don't know. He might have had a couple years and then went to UFC. And then was in UFC for, I don't know, four or five years, then WWE, and then back to UFC. And that's when he had like an illness or something and then lost a lot of his weight and was not the same physically. And I don't know what he is like nowadays. I know he still is like a contender for the championship, but yeah, he's still around. Cause he's like, he can't be that old. He's probably what late thirties, early forties. He always had like that Hogan esque quality of like where he picked up on his. He would pick up the big show and F5 him or pick up whoever it would be and be able to F5 him and fling him around. Cause like other people could do like a choke slam. Undertaker could pick people up, but it's them like kind of helping the Undertaker out and be able to. Oh, yeah. Where Brock Lesnar could pick somebody up and fling them just across just because of his strength. That's frowned upon. Yeah, I know he's hurt people and he's... Yeah, you're not supposed to do that because you hurt people. Yeah. (laughs) But as somebody just watching it, it's enjoyable watching somebody just get flung around. But he was my number one wrestler because that was the entry point of when I started watching wrestling. He was the new up-and-coming guy. That was towards the end of my caring about wrestling. What year are you born? 93? (laughs) Yeah, but I'm telling you. You You stopped caring about wrestling at nine years old? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> i mean like 2005 really but i just mean i connect more to 99 yeah yeah so i wasn't i didn't Rocks, watch like don't call stuff yeah, i didn't want i just that's not uh so i know brock was like it was the changing of the guard because it was where you had yeah Stone that was when it was, it was like out. kurt angle randy norton randy norton yeah. randy orton batista John Cena, that was towards the end of me caring about wrestling. But, and then John Cena was SmackDown, where like a lot of those other guys were Raw. So Raw uh-huh. had a lot of the talent. That's where Shawn Michaels was. That's where Evolution, all those guys were. So Brock Lesnar was really the guy. Because you had John Cena, but that was John Cena, like I said, when people didn't really like him. Ended on an awful note. I think everyone knows what's coming. <laughs> um, I want to get her real name. I know it, but I want to make sure that I'm saying it correctly. Joni Laurer, also known as China, spelled with a Y. Such an interesting story. She was also kind of in that bodybuilding world. Basically, she met Triple H, Hunter Hearst Hemsley. They would like work out together and stuff. And they developed a romantic relationship. And he was in the WWF at the time. He wasn't like a big star yet. This is like 97. He basically brought China to Vince and was like, you know, she was like bodybuilder. She was built. Huge muscles. Great look. She was never like the traditional hot 
girl growing up. So she always kind of had that chip on her shoulder of wanting to be respected as a wrestler. You know, she didn't want to be seen as eye candy or whatever. Wasn't she in Playboy though? Yeah, but that came later and I'll get to that. She comes in as Triple H's bodyguard and immediately makes an impact. I mean, they just basically had her come in and ragdoll all the other women. Then as time goes on, she's still dating Triple H in real life, but they kind of move on from that of her being a part of that. I mean, she was a part of DX when DX was a big thing, Uh, but eventually they wanted her to be the first female intercontinental champion because she did not want to wrestle the women because the women at the time were not actual trained wrestlers. To be honest, she really wasn't either, but she was certainly more of an athlete than they were just because she was so, so built and she wanted to be, you know, respected to like belong with the men. So they had her win the Intercontinental title over Jeff Jarrett. And then they did some storylines with Chris Jericho in like 99. It's around that time she does Playboy. That was the first time I ever saw Playboy because my brother bought it and hid it under his bed. And I went and found it with my friend. Her nickname was the Ninth Wonder of the World. <laughs> she wore, she kind of looked like Xena Warrior Princess. She had that kind of look to her. She had the bangs and she wore like black bras with metal and but what i really want to talk about is what was going on behind the scenes so she's dating triple h she's madly in love with him they're engaged they live together triple h is starting to become a star around this time and they do a storyline where he abducts vince's daughter stephanie sedates her and marries her in vegas or something it's very weird most of the storylines wouldn't hold up today, and that one certainly wouldn't. Him and Stephanie start like developing a relationship in real life and supposedly started their relationship while he was still with China. This is like 2000. Uh, and on screen around this time, China has is doing a storyline with Eddie Guerrero, where she's dating Eddie Guerrero, and they had such good chemistry. I wish you would have been watching at that time. They were so good together, China and Eddie. And he he called her his mamacita, and it was really good. But back to behind the scenes. She finds a letter, I guess, in Triple H's backpack from Stephanie that makes it seem like they were having an affair. She confronts everybody, but of course, nobody is on her side (laughs) because it's her boss's daughter involved in this. And China Joni was going through a really tough time emotionally with it. Obviously she was heartbroken and now she has to go to work every day and see her ex and his new girlfriend. Who's the daughter of her boss. It became a really messy situation. And at the time she was one of the biggest stars. She was very popular. She was a big reason why people bought the pay-per-views. Her merch was selling on par with Stone Cold Steve Austin who was the biggest star of the company at the time. And so she wanted to be paid the same as Stone Cold Steve Austin. And of course, they laughed at her face for that and said, absolutely not. And because of the stuff going on with Triple H and everything, it was easier just to get rid of her. The excuse is that she was emotionally unstable. They didn't want her to be around Triple H and Stephanie because they cared about her well-being. I call bullshit on that. 
they didn't want to pay her basically is what it was so she leaves the company and the same thing with sable they own the rights to the name china so she tries to go out and be in movies but she can't use the name china couldn't she use china spelled like the country yeah I, i don't know i don't legally i'm not sure what they would have done with that but it was just it was an uphill climb for her to be able to make a living after not being in the wwe anymore and of course she turned to reality shows and porn and it just got very dark and she was already kind of an alcoholic at the time and it just got worse and worse and around that time she started dating x-pac sean something and that was awful (laughs) he somehow was still alive i don't know how but they just had a very tumultuous drug and alcohol abusive relationship and that was dark times for her she eventually got a chance to be in tna but nothing really came of that around like 2010 2011 she was living in japan teaching english I've watched some interviews with her and it's even when she said she was sober, it's clear something was going on and she was a born again, Christian. She got very into Christianity towards the end of her life because she, you know, she wanted community. She wanted, she had a YouTube channel where she was releasing videos where she was, they were so sad. She just seemed so sad. And it was an Amy Winehouse situation where it was like, Oh, this is not going to end well. And a couple months later, she died of an overdose 2016, I believe. She was probably, what, 47, 46. But again, I was obsessed with her when she was a wrestler. I loved just seeing a woman kick ass. I loved. I remember watching when she beat Jeff Jarrett. She beat him by hitting him with a guitar because it was a housekeeping match. Because the whole joke is you're a woman, you belong in the kitchen. So then they had a match where they could use kitchen weapons on each other. How a guitar is considered a kitchen weapon, I don't know, but. That's how she won the match. But watching her win the Intercontinental title was so cool. And one of her last matches was WrestleMania 17. It was a squash match where she came out and picked up Ivory (laughs) over her head and then dropped her behind her. Like literally that was the whole match. It was like a minute long. And then sat on her like this with her hands behind her back like this. One, two, three. And that was the first time she was the women's champion because she up to that point didn't want to wrestle the women didn't want to be part of the women's division i just thought she was badass and i loved her when it comes to building your email list subscription forms are a critical step because a tiny mistake can make everything less effective this is why MooSend has come up with countdown timers that will engage and make the visitor's mind go oh i need that When it comes to audience management, the platform also offers you email notifications for new signups and even form labels and embedded codes to keep everything nice and tidy. Design-wise, they're easy to make, responsive, and of course, there are templates that can make your subscription forms happen without you breaking a sweat if you don't want to. Your subscription forms can look and feel different too, since the platform doesn't offer just one subscription form type. From model pop-ups and floating bars to full-page subscription forms, you have a wide variety of styles and customization tools to capture new subscribers' information in an instant. What your visitors see and when they see it is totally up to you based on your goals. You can display your subscription forms on specific pages, devices, or show them to users that have chosen certain cookies. What's more, you can create different forms for different locations and operating systems. And again, 
If you need to do something that the platform doesn't really support, there's definitely an integration for that. Musan's subscription forms are designed to save you time and effort as they allow you to transfer the collected data anywhere you need through your automated workflows and connected them with all the tools you're using. Check out Musend at musend.grsm.io slash top five. That is musend.grsm.io slash top five. What are your top five favorite beverages? That's difficult. Is it? Yeah, Is it difficult? I have so many beverages I like. I feel like I've only seen you like drink Mr. Pib or whatever, Pib Extra or a Powerade. And like, that's it. That's my Powerade phase. And what was the pop you drank besides that? I don't even know what pop you drank outside of. Ginger ale. That's all I would drink. Ginger ale. It was just Powerades and it was all the time you left them everywhere in my car, wherever room we were at. I have drink college. Powerade. You would drink, yeah, just like half of it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Right now, I'm obsessed with, I called it bubble when we were talking last night. It's called bubbly. Yeah. And actually, aha is my favorite type because they have weird flavors like ginger and stuff. But it's more expensive, so I get bubbly instead. But it's my favorite sparkling water. I don't drink pop anymore. I tried to have ginger ale last night, and it's so sweet. I couldn't, I just can't drink pop anymore. I just finished our diet Verner's. I love Verner's. Verner's is my favorite brand of pop. Do they have it down there or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's everywhere now, but it's the, by far the best. Every other ginger ale is way too sweet. Cause that's what I have Schweppes or something. It's so sweet and it doesn't taste like ginger at all. Yeah. Verner's you get like a bite. You do. Especially the regular Verner's diet. Not as much. You know, I should try diet. I think my number one right now is I really like Fresca. That's my Ooh, go-to. Fresca's good. Fresca's underrated. It's a good mixer too. With vodka or gin and stuff. It's so good. So put that my number one. And then my number two, I like diet Dr. Pepper cherry. A&W would have to crack my list, even though I haven't had A&W in years. Yeah, but it's not good. Unless you get I love- it from A&W. No, I like A&W. If it's cold. Mm, it's got to come from the... Yeah, with that froth. Yeah, and it tastes way better. A&W doesn't really exist in the U.S. anymore, <laughs> except food courts. Not in like the... I think there was a couple in the UP. There was. Marquette always had one, but not anymore. Then there's the one that's in Birch Run, but it's more just like a McDonald's. There's no drive-in aspect right. to it. I love Sonic. And their happy hour, their drink happy hour. Oh, cherry limeade. That's got to be on my list. Cherry limeade from Sonic. Mm. But I think Diet Coke in any fashion makes my list for beverages. I'll put number five just because I've been drinking a lot of just like fizzy water. I like fizzy water, but I don't like flavor in it. No, you just drink fizzy water. But it just fizzy water in general. Like I had, it was fizzy water, but it was with some kind of sweetener through like the Coke freestyle machines whatever coke's brand of water is i don't know if it's dasani i don't know but it was like one of their flavored sparkling waters and that flavoring just doesn't it doesn't taste like anything it just tastes i don't like it i'd rather just be plain water yeah yeah so fizzy water and i like pineapple juice if we're doing a juice it's good oh juice oh i like okay welch's white grape juice but i have to add water to it because it's too sweet 
That's very good. I like fresh orange juice if I squeeze it myself. <laughs> it needs to be freshly squeezed by myself. Well, it does. It's so much better. It tastes so much better. I got like obsessed with this coffee, this Cafe Du Monde coffee that, but it made me nuts. <laughs> it really made me nuts. So I've stopped that. I didn't even use a coffee machine. We have one, but I didn't use it. I would just take a filter and get it wet and put it over a cup and it would cling to the side of the cup. And then you put the coffee grounds and then you pour hot water. And then you do half coffee, half, I use oat milk and then pour it over ice. Yeah, I like iced coffee, but it has to be really like, it needs to be sweet and flavored and not taste like coffee. Yeah, that's why it's half milk, half coffee. (laughs) That sounds like way too much work for me though. I am very lazy. Oh, I know. It was fun to do. I got really into cold brew from Starbucks once, but I had three in one day and ooh, bad times. (laughs) Bad times in the stomach. (laughs) I'm an energy drink person, so I don't really drink too much coffee. So it's like a Red Bull. I like drink lots of Red Bull, sugar-free. I've never had energy drink. It would, I feel like I'd shoot through the roof. Red Bull is not too much. Caffeine. It's a lot of caffeine, but not too much. Like if you get into like the other brands, it's going to be like 300 milligrams. Monster. So that's, yeah. Or like NOS or any of those. So then you're looking at like five times the amount of caffeine as a cup of coffee. I prefer tea anyway. I got really yeah. into Arizona sweet tea, but there's so much sugar in that that I had to stop. See, I don't like tea, but I love Long Island iced teas. That's my go-to. Yeah, but that's not tea, Ryan. It's Long Island iced tea. No, Dallas. there's no tea in it, Ryan. <laughs> Dallas, it's the tea. color of tea. Therefore, it's called Dallas. Long it's, Island tea. It, it's tea, Dallas. There's no tea in it. <laughs> Dallas, it's liquor it's and a splash of pop. It's it so is, good. How is it get, good? It's like every so liquor good. together. Oh, it's, it's disgusting. So well, when it's done right, it is so good. The premix stuff is not good. I premix anything is not good. I got one and it was okay. But I, it was like 20 or 30 bucks. I forget what brand it was. I don't know if it was Captain's. But then I got like the cheap one that was 10 bucks and it was so bad. So I have like a half gallon of it left in my fridge just because mm-hmm. it tasted so off. But that and then the rum and coke, usually one of my go to is just because I'm, I always panic. They're like, what do you want to drink? If there's no drink menu in front of me with no. all the cool specials, I go, I don't know any drink name. So there's I'm going to go too with the rum many and coke. Drinks too. I tried to say a brand though because. Sometime I got well at one place in Nashville and it was literally like drinking paint thinner. <laughs> like it was, oh, also because it was Pepsi. And anytime it's Pepsi, it makes me want to puke because I can't do Pepsi. It's just so gross to me. It's truly disgusting to my taste buds. I can't help it. I haven't had a regular Pepsi in forever. I drink diet. So diet Pepsi tastes fine to me, but it just tastes like a diet cola. They so fucked up my order today when I was at Arby's. They gave me a regular Coke. And I was like, God damn it. Because I don't even like the taste of regular Coke anymore. No, it's so sweet. I like Mexican Cokes. Yeah, we have those. But I think I'm a sucker for the glass bottle because I think it tastes better. Well, it tastes better anyway because it's Cause the sugar. real sugar. I can't drink. I haven't had a plastic bottle of Coke in so long. I like like Fountain Coke at McDonald's is so good. It is. But let's see. I got into old fashions for a while. That was my college drink, but then I stopped. I stopped after college. I've never had one like at a bar. I only I make them. I've only made them. I've made them before, but then I've also had them at the local bars and stuff. 
Well, you told me you got one at Buffalo Wild Wings once and they didn't know how to yeah. make it. Which no, is so they crazy. Didn't. It's the easiest drink to make. And I'm pretty sure it was on their menu too. It was like some was. orange, it was some weird orange one. Mm-hmm. How do you not know how to make it and it's on your menu? I had some fancy drink when we went out over the weekend. It was like a Red Bull Long Island thingamajig. It was an upsell though, because it was supposed to be Red Bull vodka and watermelon or something. Yeah. The dude upsold me to a Long Island. Well, he knew you love Long Island. It was also because I think it was the one I wanted was on special. Yeah. So he's probably like, this sucker is gonna, I'm gonna do a good sell job and pay $15 for a drink. I used to go to this bar, this dive bar in Alabama. Cause it was right by where I lived and I loved it. It was a straight people, like an old straight people bar. There's always like old people bands playing and old women dancing. That's how I danced with this like 60 year old woman. Did you? Oh yeah. And she asked me how old I was <laughs> and I played, I, I played along. I was like, I'm 25. And she's like, Oh, too young for me. And I went, uh-huh. That's not why. Did you, did you do your uh-huh like that? <laughs> yeah. Cause it's Alabama. I wasn't gonna be like, I'm a homo. So no, thank. I was just like, uh, yeah, sure. That's why we can't be together. I was just scared. She was going to try to make out with me though. I was scared about that. Luckily she didn't have like a husband or something. He was just like, yeah, I want you to fuck my wife. Oh God. I'm sure that <laughs> then you've been forced into fucking some fucking old God, ass lady. That's all over grinder. It's like, I want to watch you fuck my wife. Like, Oh my God. No. But anyway, I would always, there was this bartender I really liked, but I would always try to trick her. Like order stuff that she didn't know or that she and I ordered a, a black Russian one time, which is just a white Russian without like cream or milk or whatever. So it's just like Kahlua and vodka. Yeah. And I I watched her ask somebody what how to make it. I was like, yeah. And then she brought it and she's like, it's Kahlua and vodka, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. And they don't have ginger ale. I asked for like a jack and ginger, and she goes, I have bartender's ginger ale, which I knew what that was because I've heard about that. It's Coke and Sprite and I've done it and it tastes just like ginger ale. It's crazy. Or they didn't have ginger beer or ginger ale. I'm surprised they didn't have ginger beer. I know. Every bar has ginger beer, which I don't like though. I do. What's the, what's the one that has the little seal on it? Gin- seal. Oh. oh, I had that. I forgot what it's called. So it's a G, doesn't it? Ginslings or something. I think so. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. That tastes good to me. Oh, it's too gingery. And I, like I ginger, love super. I love so much ginger. I do, but not in that for some reason. Like I like there's ginger candies I get, which is like hundred percent ginger. I put it in my tea and like those ginger turmeric shots. I really like, I was big into naked drinks, those naked drinks for a while. What's well, I don't even know what a naked drink is. It's those smoothies, fruit and vegetable smoothies. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. But there's so much sugar in it and they're so thick. What else? Do I, do? I just drink water now, honestly. Yeah, I need to drink more water. I only drink water really at work, not at home. I used to hear people would say, you know, you acquire a taste for anything, including water. It's like, no, you don't. It's still, it's a struggle to drink water, but I force myself to do it. Only if I'm like really thirsty and hot is it like refreshing. Otherwise, it just yeah. feels like a chore <laughs> to drink water. Yeah, it's whatever for me. Yeah, it needs to be like a hot day. But like for fizzy water, I genuinely love it. I need flavor though. I don't. It just ruins oh, I it. Do. But we have a soda stream. 
so like we have some of those healthier option like the zero not healthy but zero calorie stuff and they're fine i'm good but i love the soda stream it's so nice to have expensive but so did you have five what's your five you gotta go five <laughs> no because mine's fresca well I no order but fresca diet coke yeah we're not doing orders diet dr pepper cherry a and w and then fizzy water let's see aha uh-huh. sparkling water specifically the red and blue can it's blueberry something blueberry pomegranate decaffeinated black tea uh verner's even though i don't drink it anymore but like it used to be my favorite oh and then um apple pop mexican apple pop i'll say that even though i don't drink it anymore but they used to have it on some taco bells have it my go-to pop from taco bell is baja blast zero oh i'm taking apple pop off and putting on wendy's all natural lemonade that's really really good like fresh squeezed lemonade is so good and i like half and half with lemonade and sweet tea once again another one for me it's Dave's diet cream soda. Who's Dave? Dave Thomas, the creator of Wendy's. Yeah, but they have their own soda. He has his own drink. I don't know. It's just Dave's famous, or I don't even know if it's even Dave's famous, but Culver's has their own root beer that's pretty damn close to AW root beer. It's very good. Yeah, it's really good. It is good. It's very and Culver's good. isn't too far away from us. It's like an hour and a half. Also, shout out, I like strawberry milk, specifically Nestle. Have you ever seen a pink cow, Ryan? I love it. Did your school ever do the experiment where they had milk in a bag? Oh, my God. It was so weird. (laughs) Like, instead of cartons, I don't know why it was better because it was plastic bags, but it was like little plastic pouches and you stick your straw in it. And they tried that for like a month. Yeah, no, they did not do that. I got into Starbucks too, in terms of drinks for a little bit when I lived in Kalamazoo. I don't even know what my order is. Haley usually just picks something out and I like chai lattes and I like that's what she goes with usually is the oh, chai tea latte. So good. And a matcha green latte is really good. Mine was like the last one I got was like the cookie something. I needed to not hey, on the show I listened to, it was like I finished third place for best cold drinks okay so. i just love how starbucks has become like a milkshake <laughs> those are basically milkshakes yeah like, speaking of milkshakes the whipped cream and the cookie crumbles i what? love i love shamrock shakes you know chick-fil-a has a peach shake out right now and if they weren't you know horrible homophobic pieces of shit i might try it because it sounds i love artificial peach shit you just have to separate go and enjoy <laughs> your shake I'm good. <laughs> Just donate I, to charity afterwards. Go okay. get your shake and then go donate some money to charity. Well, and the other thing is every corporation's evil and gives to horrible yeah. things. So, you know, they're just very open about how they don't like gay people. <laughs> other people hide it. All right. So anything else for drinks, Dallas? How can you drink a shake at McDonald's? They're so nasty. Oh, the sh- shamrock shake is so good. Ugh. No, it's good. No. It's not a shake. It's like liquid. It's good. But I do like mint stuff. I love like fake mint. 
bright green mint stuff. Well, not bright green. My new go-to candy bar has been the York. Those are good. I like Andy's yeah. mints though. Those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm. I also like fresh junior mints, but they can get weird, like yeah. hard and then they yeah. suck. Okay. So we're verging off of drinks. So anything else to add before we close out <laughs> this mini episode? No, but we have to do candy at some point. Okay. That can be our next one. Let's just do food. Let's <laughs> just, just talk about food. food. Yeah. This can be the food drinks. Uh, well, I already said lemon, lime, Powerade. Powerade is better than Gatorade. But only zero. Now I can only drink Powerade zero. I can't have the regular Powerade anymore. I just started getting Powerade just because it was cheaper. Yeah. I was like, oh, this one's like a dollar or whatever. And Gatorade's like two nineteen or whatever. Sounds weird. It's the same shit. Yeah, that's it. Pineapple juice, like you said. But also, like, if we're going to stick with juice, it's end on juice. I like palm juice. It's expensive. Ooh, it's so good, though. Then I also like good cranberry juice. I don't like cranberry juice. I do. Tart. I used to mix orange juice and Verner's a lot. That was really good. It sounds so gross. Oh, it's so good. It's like a sounds... <laughs> it's like a non-alcoholic mimosa. Mm. It's no. so good. <laughs> does not sound good at all. Yes, it does. It's so good. No, no. It's like fizzy orange juice. Can you just use like club soda or something instead of no? Because I need the ginger. Uh, there's this French brand of orange pop called Orangina. And it's hard to find. And it comes in a big round bottle, like strong four yeah. round bottles with a blue label, glass bottles. My French teacher used to bring it to class sometimes for us. And it was so good because it's not like crush, you know, or like orange pop. It's like actual orange, carbonated orange juice. But that's it. One last thing to close it off. It was, so it's Vimto, Vimto. It's a British soda. It had it one time at our Walmart randomly. It was like in this beat up, like destroyed packaging. So I have no idea how it ended up there. They've never <laughs> had it since. They never had it before. So weird. But they had one package of a British soda that was there. And it was so good. So good. Really? It was like a raspberry type Ooh. soda. Contains grapes, raspberry, and black currants. Ooh. And it was so good. Ooh, that looks good. Oh, and if we're going, okay. So I also like Fago pops. Yeah, I forgot about them. Michigan, yeah. So I, I don't know if I could push anybody off, but I love Rock and Rye and Red Pop. I love Fago. Never got into Fago. Not even Rock and Rye. No, especially not not the red one. Yeah. Nope. So you don't like Red Pop either, then? No, not really. See, I don't like their like traditional stuff. Like I think their cola is bad. I think their root beer is awful. The cream soda is fine. Oh my God. You're reminding me. This could go on for hours. <laughs> I know. It's I not really it. mini episode. Um, well, I'll cut it to be one, but okay. Um, Stewart's, you know, Stewart's pop. Yeah. They used to have a cherries and cream flavor, which they also had a cherry flavor, but it was different because it was like a cream soda, like a cherry cream soda. It was the best pop I've ever had. And they don't, I can't find it anywhere. I don't even know if they make it anymore. Um, and then Jones soda too. I have to talk about Jones soda. Yeah. Used to get it just cause it had the funny pictures on it. Yeah. Haley got the custom ones for us for one of our anniversaries. Ooh. Did I tell you my, uh, Nick got, uh, he won like a contest where you, for Molson Canadian. 
you write a little like story about yourself and you send it in. And if you win, it gets put on. It was about like, what does hockey mean to you or whatever? Cause it's, you know, Canadian beer. Yeah. And he won. So he has like a set of four, like Molson Canadian cans with his name and the story on it. I mean, it's cool. It is cool. (laughs) And that's Nick, my ex, not Nick, my brother. For the listeners who probably don't even know, I have a brother named Nick because I haven't talked about him. You've talked about your brother, but I don't know if you mentioned his name or not. So yeah, let me clear that up. I I was not dating my brother. They're two different people. Yeah. I would love if somebody went through like three, <laughs> three, four episodes and were like, man, was Dallas dating his brother? <laughs> he keeps saying Nick and then it's his brother and then he's having sex with him. What? Yeah. No. Okay, that's a good place to end it. That'll do it for this episode of Five with Ryan and Dallas. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at 5RDPod. That's the number 5, R-D-P-O-D. Join us next Monday, and thank you for listening.